This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Here we are, Yachts. We're in the podcast. Man. So, um, I'm genuinely not clear. What's your actual opinion on Game Pass and subscriptions? Uh, the, the one thing I was, I was hoping you would not ask me is whether or not I subscribe to Game Pass, because I do not. Neither uh, do I at present. I'm sure that might change in the future. It could. I think, I think uh, this is an, a truly gray area for me where subscription services in general, I think, are bad. They, they lead people to produce the very lim- the least required. Mm. But there is a good element to it many of which I, I mentioned it can it can uh, have you can have weird things on subscription services that you can't have uh within the normal capitalistic model i mean on this very site the escapist we encourage that users subscribe to our escapist plus subscription service Absolutely. or to our youtube membership and the reason why we ask them to do that is so that we're less concerned about getting the most views and getting the ad revenues and can work on things that interest us and don't just appeal to the algorithms. Absolutely. And and that is an incredible positive aspect of subscription services. Us not having to worry about whatever's fashionable or trendy or talking about, you know, the console wars for eight weeks in a row. Like, we get to make whatever we want, and that's beautiful. It's the same principle behind Patreon and all that. Mm, of course. That's where that's where all the indie creators, all the cool <laughs> indie creators are doing that these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. But But as with all things, corporations got their hands on it and now it must be burned. Mm. Uh you know, like personally, uh thinking of subscription services, I for a long time subscribed to the Adobe Suite, which used to be you pay one big lump sum you get the Adobe Suite uh, for editing software, for those who don't know. Um, mm. And then that, that'll last you like two or three years until the next big release comes out. Then you plop down another big sum for the next new release. It has all or these. If, or even longer, because I still use Photoshop 6. Ooh. Photoshop 6.0. This was before any of the CSs. Yes, but then they switched over to the subscription service. And at first, I was really happy with the subscription services. It's 50 bucks a month. Oh, I make 50 bucks a month in editing. I could, that's no big deal. But then Adobe specifically, their their upgrades to all of the software just slowed. And you get a little bit less every year. You get a little bit less every year. And they're still sucking that money out of you. And also, if they upgrade their software and add or remove features that uh, you liked and relied on, mm-hmm. you just have to lump it, mate. Yep. You're stuck with what they give you. I'm stuck with Photoshop 6 because I've tried to use other forms of Photoshop and I lost, I lose track of where they moved everything and I can't be bothered <laughs> to relearn. I don't know if I can go back to Photoshop 6 because now they have like a like an auto select thing that just makes cutting out uh, things so easy. It's beautiful. Ah, magic wand, bitch. There's something even better than the magic wand now. It's great. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> Actually, I, I went over to a bunch of uh, one-time payment-only editing software, and I tried to get rid of Photoshop and go over to GIMP. Yeah, I tried to do that once. Oh, Yeah, everything's been moved around. I yeah. don't understand. Yeah, so I, I went back to paying for Photoshop only. Well, that's only someone would just 
make an open source version of Photoshop that works exactly the same way as Photoshop, like what OpenOffice does to Microsoft Word. You know, or if there was like an option in GIMP to be like, make all the controls just like they are in Photoshop, that would be that would be very. Have you very checked helpful. for like user made mods along those lines? I didn't get too into it. I had a project too, so I was like, fuck it, I'll re-download Photoshop. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if someone put out a mod for GIMP that just makes it function exactly like Photoshop, exactly <laughs> for people like us. Perhaps I should look into that. Actually, you're you're probably very right, but I was able to pivot with my editing software and my uh, my. Uh, after effects like software and so i was able to get rid of most of my adobe suite but photoshop is photoshop baby yeah and i have to use adobe premiere to make Mm. the videos that are compatible with the current ways sure yeah i I switched over to resolve to davinci resolve Mm. which which is if if uh if anyone comes from adobe or final cut switching over to DaVinci for editing is great, but for any sort of After Effects work, for compositing work, oh, it's a fuck thing. I always found it really hard to find the sort of video editing software that worked for me. Because mm. I used to use Windows Movie Maker, mm-hmm. and still do, actually, to put together uh, Zero Punctuation. Uh-huh. And it's not really supported anymore, <laughs> so I now I have to do a lot of, like, <laughs> I have to do a lot of back-end stuff in Adobe Premiere to, like, finish everything off, but... There was nothing wrong with Windows Movie Maker for just doing a quick drag and drop slideshow, which right. is what zero punctuation is. <laughs> I mean, if you try to do it in Adobe Premiere, you got to every time you add a new image, you have to tell it exactly how long you want it. You have to, yeah, cl- clip clip it up and be weird about it. Yeah, they give you a ton of control. Yes, that's how. <laughs> yes, the thing is, I want less control. All I, I'm just making a slideshow. Just I don't, do it for of me. still images. I don't need any of this shit. <laughs> But but so I'm I'm about to pivot us back to the topic at hand. The Ooh, shit. that, that was, was a topic. that well so like that's a, a negative of the subscription model is they they can really drip feed you content uh, to to just keep you paying forever and ever, amen. But mm. the good side of this, something like Netflix, something like uh, Prime streaming, uh, Shutter, which is a, a horror streaming channel, like. You can have incredibly niche properties really thrive in this in this kind of model. I suppose, but there's still the issue that you're continually paying for something, whether or not you actually want specific parts of it. It's as I said, it's the removal of uh, individual decision making in the uh, success of a product. Uh, no, no, because because you're still watching the things you're watching and so like i'm watching a movie i'm watching on netflix you're watching an entire separate library of movies on netflix and both of us can exist on the same platform and it it caters to both of our wants and needs both the cohen brothers have a deal with netflix and adam sandler has a deal with netflix because their user base wants both but what if you're a real outlier? What if you run a, what if you only want to watch Dutch movies about pottery? Then you subscribe to the Criterion streaming channel. <laughs> there's a streaming channel for you, man. Fuck, there's too many streaming channels. I got I've got too many monthly subscriptions as it is. <laughs> that's that's the real problem. You lose track of them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to watch the new season of Archer. Mm-hmm. 
because I noticed it being advertised. I was like, oh, guess I'll have to find somewhere to pirate it. So then yeah, it said, but... then I said, wait, do I have a Hulu subscription? Because I wasn't sure. Uh huh. And did I've, you? I've I have subscriptions, and then I like stop subscriptions because every now and again on a whim because I realize I never use it, and then I restart them again. Mm-hmm. Long story short, turned out I was still <laughs> paying for Hulu. <laughs> so I've been watching the new season of Archer. So that worked out. But what else am I still paying for that I've completely forgotten about? Right. Get a hold of your monthly credit card statement or wherever your money comes out of and just start start accounting for it. Oh, I just <laughs> remember it, it was a nicer and more consumer-focused time when I got to decide precisely when money came out of my account. Yes, but then you were, then you were at the whims... So, like, the, basically the gatekeeper has changed with our new streaming paradigm, right? Is before there was some studio head who was deciding what movies get made or what games get made. And yeah. now, because we have all these subscription services, the other thing that comes along with it is the algorithm. And the algorithm not only is is a terrible thing that, you know, feeds uh, creators to strive towards mediocrity, but... It also gives people like Netflix an incredible amount of information about us. And so something like Stranger Things, which is a weirdo throwback horror TV show can get made because Netflix's algorithm says that there's enough people who we think want this. Well, go ahead, Duffer Brothers. You've never made a television show before. Here's a bunch of money. (laughs) <laughs> and we get this beautiful product because of it. All praise the algorithm. Oh. <laughs> the algorithm that controls our lives. There'll right. be people worshipping it at some point in the future. There'll be a breakdown of society and there'll be mm-hmm. little algorithm cults that Ooh. try to worship the algorithm. The algorithm always smiled upon us. Uh, the algorithm yes. will return. The algorithm it, will return and uh, organise our viewing schedule for us again. It'll be deciphering the different algorithms. I am a believer in the in the Google algorithm. It heretic sh- shows me what I w- need to see. Burn the heretic. Everyone knows the only true algorithm is the fling de pleur algorithm. The fling de pleur. And only the true followers of this algorithm will gain access to the paradise realm where you can watch Ghostbusters whenever you like in HD. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that. But but like like I said, the the nice thing about that is and and I've I, I have friends who, you know, have worked for Netflix on a creative side. And basically once Netflix green lights your project and says oh yeah according to our algorithm this will play well enough with our with enough customers make whatever you want they then go hands off as far as producers are concerned they just say yeah we based off of your idea we think this will placate our customer base go make something weird and they do and i think that's a beautiful part of the subscription service well, maybe an editor should be more hands-on. <laughs> There's an argument what if, for that. What if they're making um, farmyard porn? Is that I think someone, someone would need to step in at some point. I mean, the algorithm will probably say, oh, yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a very strong niche audience wanting to watch that farmyard porn. <laughs> 
They'll come from all over the world for that. But it does mean sacrificing a certain amount of dignity, sacrificing a certain amount of claim to any kind of moral high ground. <laughs> well, I, I think that's taking it to a bit of an extreme. Well, this is the nature of the algorithm, isn't it? It's like movies where the AI just gets more complex until it becomes self-aware. Sure. I mean, if you just let this algorithm unchecked, like the Sorcerer's Apprentice rooms, it might be producing snuff films 20 years from now. That, I think that's very, very possible, yes. Because, hey, it brings the money in, people watch out of hideous car crash fascination. Mm-hmm. And then some people were saying, ah, money goes to the victim's relatives. Why should they complain? You've seemed to thought a lot about snuff films, car crash snuff films. Yes. But let's move on. You know what? Let's. He said suspiciously. So, I do think I do think video games taking on the Netflix model of uh, payment might well be an inevitability mm-hmm. in this realm of streaming and Basically, everyone only plays games digitally now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and it seems to have worked so well for Netflix, so why the hell not? So why the hell not? And I think someone like Microsoft, who has the infrastructure in place, not only for Game Pass, which which I, I do think is an incredible value, even though I don't personally subscribe to it, uh, I, I think they have the infrastructure to pair that with something like a Google Stadia game streaming service to where not only not only do you have the library, but you have the library ready to go instantly. Yes, but Google Stadia didn't really work out for many reasons. Right. Part of it was that they just didn't support it enough. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't enough content on it, not enough exclusives. Part of it was that I think people just don't like the sense that they have to be online to play the thing they like. Because if you and I digital download stuff, you can still play offline. You can still play offline on Steam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were a lot of games you have to, like, the first time you run the game, you have to play it online for some stupid reason. Do the and, then you can't check, because, right? and then you can't play the game for another day because someone's using the same Steam account as you. And is playing a game at the same time. So you have to wait a day before you can start playing Marvel's Avengers. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm talking about a specific incident. <laughs> right. But I, I think that's just a that's a perception problem. I feel like people were similarly skeptical of Netflix as soon as they started to scale back the DVD side of the business, which is, by the way, still going. Still going very strong. But when you hand over, physically hand over money to buy something you have a greater sense of value of that item in your mind. Ooh. I think if things are just presented to you for free, people don't get a sense of investment. Like they just put on Netflix and don't really watch it. They just put it on in the background. Whereas if you pay to watch a movie, barnyard porn, for example, mm-hmm. you sit down and get your fucking money's worth. It's a whole different style. You have a completely different mode of thinking when you're interacting with something you paid for and something that's just been thrown at you like a chicken bone to a dog at the feast i think you are right with that i think i think you're absolutely right with that i know this is something that comes up a lot with uh, bob and darren and i when we talk about netflix movies over on the escapist movie podcast 
which is there there is a general thing like an, a netflix original film has a has a problem it has the netflix bloat problem which is mm. every single netflix original film is approximately 15 to 20 minutes too long because it can be because you're right no one really cares uh, it's it's the difference between it's the difference between like paying for an album and uh, and listening to an artist's mixtape that they give out for free. You have a different perception. I think that's that's a really good point. It's difference between when we were kids just watching whatever TV came on mm-hmm. and renting something from the video store or from the pay per view channel or right. going out and buying a game and look reading the box reading the box blurb while being driven home by your dad and looking at all the screenshots and getting more and more excited the closer you got to home (laughs) and then running up to the house and tearing off the wrapping and smelling that new game box smell Mm. and putting the disc in and then it not working and you cried harder than you'd ever cried about anything not that's investment not pulling from anything specific there are you (laughs) that's engagement with the media we consume and if we don't engage with the media consume, it's how do we have a greater philosophical conversation about these things? Mm. It's not partaking in art, it's just we are the cows in the dairy farm and yeah. things are just being trundled along the conveyor belt in front of us. It's, it's we, the difference we're between not, appreciating and consuming. We're not human beings anymore to the systems that create these we're Mm. just part of the algorithm to be sold to advertisers i that's yes but i feel like we're already that we were we were that before there was a subscription model well can we reverse that could we not do that can we not be that can we be human beings again please I, I don't know i think as soon as capitalism became a thing the answer was no we were just sacks of money well, we're in late stage capitalism. We all know that. Okay, it's well, gonna have to gonna have to kick it in the head at some point. When we pull that ripcord finally, then yes. When we reach the next generation of Star Trek, uh, and everyone is fine, then we can get into deep artistic appreciation. But, but no, I like the, I I like this idea because I I think that is an aspect of of the of our platinum age of entertainment that we're living in, our age of opulence, where mm. there's just so much shit. Uh, good shit and bad shit in front of us to consume that uh, it's really easy to blow off a, a piece of art as ah, it's just that's just a show I'm watching that's just a movie I'm watching that's just a game I'm playing yeah it creates a world where blockbuster movies aren't really the events they used to be mm. I mean god help them they're still trying to keep that sort of attitude going yeah like, oh it's the movie event of the year but everyone's just like streaming it like idly to have something on in the background and it's hard to keep it's hard to have that same level of enthusiasm uh, interesting enough that's some very recent news as far as blockbuster movies are concerned is that uh, another slew of of big budget blockbusters that were supposed to come out got moved back again and again yep uh, obviously because we're currently going through a global pandemic but it also means that uh the the little tests that they've been doing with like partial theater, partial video on demand have not been working. No, because it's just because if you like subtract convenience from the equation, a lot of people just turn off. Because mm-hmm. that's what we've been conditioned to become, and it's their fault. 
I think the pandemic has brought a lot of cows home to roost. Mm-hmm. With uh, the systems the corporations have been creating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think it's like accelerated something that was happening anyway. Sure. The conversion of us all into dairy cows, in other words. Well, now, yeah, now you can't go out and party. You have to stay home and watch Netflix. So. And now they've, <laughs> and now what's happening? They're finding it harder to engage us because that's what they turned us into. People that don't <laughs> engage with things. Well, I, you know, the, uh, you know what, what we're missing here is the, the thing that makes something engaging is not only your relationship with that thing, but it's your relationship with that thing outside of that thing. And so like, you know, stranger things, uh, as an example, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get to what I'm trying to say, and then you can say it uh, in in a way that makes sense. Uh, Netflix as a show was fantastic, but it wasn't just about the show Stranger Things. It was about Netflix as a show was fantastic, is what I just said. Stranger Things I'm on Netflix. Feeling a little uh, foreboding about it apparently being my duty to decode all this. This is going to be a rough one. It's about the conversation you had with your coworker, with your friend about that property. Right. That is the thing that is no longer happening because we're not getting together with our friends or coworkers anymore. Right. And so, so yeah. So we're lacking um the the culture of criticism that used to surround art. We're lacking uh, the culture. Yeah, but you, uh this assessing and uh reviewing art it's all like the culture of criticism, which is necessary for any art. For, not that I'm protecting my job or anything. <laughs> well, I, and I, I just mean that even broader. Like, you know, part of what makes something a contemporary piece of pop art is that people are having a conversation about it. And well, they, do, well they are making memes out of it. <laughs> Everyone's making <laughs> memes out of every new thing that comes out. Yes. A, a meme is not a conversation. I, that's my hard foot down stance there not really it does indicate some kind of engagement with the work though i suppose it does but if you're not if you're not having that conversation if you're not talking with a stranger about a show the show cannot grow you can't feel that there's like a ting of satisfaction when you talk to someone and you both really love a show Ooh, i love this part Ooh, i love this part it like it like creates a serotonin cycle right well, maybe we're not doing that in person, but I think a lot of people are watching YouTube video essays and online reviews and stuff to feel like they're part of the conversation. I mean, Absolutely. that's isn't that true of everyone? We've enjoyed a piece of work. We immediately go online to look for some interesting video essays to hear more about it. Uh, yes, but I feel like that's not a proper replacement for t- uh, talking to another human being in person. Well, maybe everyone should set up their own podcast. Right? It's, I mean, it seems like they all do anyway at this I, point. I, I really think everybody does. Already everyone's, everyone does a podcast. Mm-hmm. When everyone's a critic, no one will be. No. It's kind of true. Well, I'll be all right, because I have a unique uh, repertoire of swear words to mm. make my criticism stand out. Yeah, you're grandfathered in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a few of us old farts that'll that'll stick around. Hmm. Uh, at the movies with Siskel and Eva, that was going for like twenty five years, right? Mm, that was a fine some, show. Something to aim for. A fine, fine show. But 
Where did this where did this come from? Where did this come from? Where did it go? Where did it come uh, from? Cotton Eye Cotton Joe. Joe. We were talking about the culture that surrounds a work that mm. is gone when we're not talking in person to other people about the works we've seen. Right. And so, you know, not only through the pandemic are we lacking that conversation, we're also lacking the tent poles, like, you know, the big things that were supposed to draw people into a conversation, your Marvel movies, your big, uh, you know, uh, tenant, right? Like James Bond got pushed back. Batman got pushed back. All this crap gets pushed back. So we we're in a void right now of new stuff. And we're not talking about the little stuff because we don't have anyone to talk to. No, no. I mean, I do. I have, you know, I talk to everybody on, on, uh, on the discord yeah. here. Yeah. We can't stop you. <laughs> <laughs> I, they've tried, they've tried to mm. stop me. And I just said no. But, uh, so yeah, th- that will be a really interesting aspect of the later time, the, the later time when the pandemic's over and we can all get together again. What are our, con- is it going to be like a year and a half of info dump <laughs> for everyone? <laughs> I know there's a fuckload of games coming out in the next couple of months because mm. everything got pushed back. Yep, yep. It's going to be a busy, what is it? There's like 19 games coming out November 13th. It's going to be a little nuts. It's going to be a little nuts, man. Pretty nuts for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's going to be nuts for you because all I'm going to play is Spelunky 2 from now on. So that's Must it. be nice. It, it kind of is, I'll be honest with you. I'm looking forward to Watch Dogs Legion because hmm. I worked on that. I want to oh, see if right. they used any of my lines. Because <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me at this point. I probably didn't like seven other runs of the dialogue since then. Um, but I've been paid, so I don't care. There you go. And and that is exactly what subscription models say as far as delivering you content. Nice getting us back on track there. Ooh. I'm so, not hey, sure if I'm not sure what we're actually saying, to be honest. N- no, this one's a really this one's taken a lot of weird turns, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. So I guess I guess my feeling is that I, there are certain things I regret about the moving into subscription model, but I kind of feel like it's an inevitability we can't avoid. Mm-hmm. So I'm just moving towards it and thinking of it the way I think of the looming spectacle of old age and death. Oh. We won't we will no longer have some of the things we used to like. So we might as well just lump it. <laughs> the but world of just downloading an executable of an indie game someone made. Oh, then, that'll still exist. That, but that if, will never go away. There was a time when that was like pretty much all there was. Right. But that'll never go away. Or you'll we'll have a we'll have a channel. We'll have a channel of just weirdo one person five minute indie games and they'll get paid. And and it'll be great. There'll be an itch.io channel. Will be the public access TV channel of yes. video games. That would be great. That would be great. Every day you get a new 10-minute game. It only lasts 10 minutes. They're all weird. They're all 10 minutes. And every day mm. you get a new one. Mm. Right? So we are picturing like video game services like TV channels now. Absolutely. That's what I'm it saying. It just trundles in front of us on the conveyor belt and we just... Click, play that, no thought at all. Okay, maybe every week you get a new one. <laughs> well, this is, a, this is a world where uh, reviews are no longer relevant, isn't it? It's just whatever they serve you up. 
you play. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Where reviews? Uh, no, I think review. I think reviews are still relevant. Reviews and conversations are still relevant because we always like that conversation. Reviews aren't necessarily relevant for what is being made, but I'll say they probably never have been. Okay. Suppose not. <laughs> so, yeah, not to disparage our own industry, but, but you know. There's a, there's a difference in reviewing something and creating. Well, something. if you can get some good memes going, you can like, you can let something like bleed into general consciousness. Mm. Like, uh, I was always talking shit about contemporary war shooters mm -hmm. and giving them facile names like Spunk Gargle Wee Wee. Of course, and a lot of people started saying that. So the developers and publishers going forward would think, how can we make our next game so that people stop calling it Spunk Gargle Wee Wee all the time? Ooh, that's that's how criticism has an effect that, with the memes. It's the memes are everything. Bring us the memes. The memes are like the spice in Dune. <laughs> Walk without rhythm, you might attract the worm. That's a Fat Boy Slim song, and a and a line from Dune. I never realized it was a reference to Dune. <laughs> I I pronounce it Dune. Dune? Like there's, like there's a Y in there. Oh. Because I'm posh. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly why. I was, speaking of you being posh, uh, I was debating whether or not I did a Yahtzee impression when I quoted you. I decided against it at the last minute because I felt it might throw me off, but. I'm uh, amused. You think you can do a Yahtzee impression? I uh, not not like a you just talking regularly impression. I could probably whip up a zero punctuation impression of you. Yeah, it would be. It probably well, wouldn't be flattering. <laughs> well, I'm all ears, Jack. <laughs> let's let's hear your very the, this impression of me that you're very confident you'll be able to do. Um, oh, why didn't no. you... Okay. Um, we'll save um, that for next week. Oh, must we? Oh, well, You teased on. it now. Well, it was just a... It was a jumping off point. Hold on. I need my I need my lines. Let me open up my uh, my note-taking app here. And I'll, I'll... I was... This is the other reason why I didn't... Uh, why I didn't do it is because I wasn't very confident in it. Oh, well, you seemed confident. You seemed confident enough to bring it up, so let's hear it. I could I could I could do it. I it's it's different like it's different doing an impression off off of the top of uh, your head and being forced to do it. Let's see here. Well, fair enough. Let's see here. I'm sick of open words. <laughs> That's a good line. Uh, oh, I'm so fucking sick of open world stealth action games with crafting and collectibles. No, that's not a good impression at all. I'll have it. I'll have it ready for next week. I will. I will have an, a Yahtzee impression ready to go next week. See, I tend to lean towards a slightly posh accent, but my accent is actually influenced by a lot of regional dialects from around the UK. Mm. Like my uh, my parents were from the north of England, and I grew up in the Midlands. And the north of England has got that very, oh, put kettle on, mother, let's have a cup of tea before uh -huh. we go down dog track and bet on the greyhounds. 
but I was raised closer to closer to Birmingham, which has that very sort of hapless, brummy sort of accent. Okay, it makes right. you sound like you're not really qualified to do anything. Yeah. And I grew up watching lots of uh, television, lots of British television, where all the newsreaders speak in very clipped, uh, received pronunciation accents. Ooh, and and that's what I would lean into, like nasal, more perceived. Yeah, because I feel like you get a little nasally during your zero punctuation. But you but you also hear a lot of accents from the South London town. Oh, it's a rock <laughs> chimney sweet with you, Mary Poppins. You're just a mishmash, and then and then it's all been mellowed because you've been out of England for so long. It's all yeah. Mellowed. Well, of course, I lived in Australia for thirteen years, and I would have thought I picked up more of that accent, and it's and it creeps in in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Like I say, no worries a lot. And there's one specific word <laughs> where I just click, drop into an Australia a very broad Australian accent with no apparent conscious decision making on my part, okay. and that word is likely. Oh. I not that I didn't I don't consciously do that. It just happens. I say that doesn't seem very likely. That's horrifying to hear. I know. <laughs> it it's, gives me a real sense of identity loss saying that. <laughs> and of course living in America, one starts to adopt the weird slurry consonants that Americans use. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so like that's why like an an impression of you would be would be difficult with with any impression and i've i've done a few impressions in my time with any impression you just need that one phrase that one word that will lock everything together like triple cunted hooker like yes and you know like oh that 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 locks it in now i can just do yahtzee for a little bit and then in your head triple cunted hooker triple cunted hooker you, you know you say that you say that right you're saying hooker though you're lift you're lifting the vowel i say hooker Oh yeah, yeah, because uh, triple cunted hooker wouldn't be my phrase. I'll have to basically. I'm going to binge a bunch of zero punctuation, and right. I'll find that right phrase. All right. Well, we've set Jack the challenge now. He has to do a convincing impression of me by next week. Absolutely uh, convincing. No, an impression. Yes. All right. Fine. <laughs> well. Uh, since we're thoroughly off topic, might as well wrap up the podcast. This this has been our most scattered podcast as of yet. Hopefully, everyone found something to enjoy here. Uh, oh, thanks for sticking around. If you did, some people like to just listen to us and fall asleep. That's a- <laughs> that's what some people do with podcasts. Apparently. Well, then this will be the perfect one for you. Uh, but uh, in any case, uh, if you're just listening to this, make sure to go back and check out the video por- portion, which is, is Game Pass good for gaming? You can watch that over on escapistmagazine.com. Yes. And you're probably still watching that on escapistmagazine.com. Most likely. Because it's still the video. It's, it's all it's still true. the same video. It's all one video now. We're still, ad- we're still adjusting to that. Yeah, that's it's different because I don't know what to say now. Except for, uh, you know, as we're talking about subscription models, make sure to check out our Escapist Plus program, which means you can watch us on the Escapist ad-free or uh, a YouTube membership where you can watch us on YouTube a week early. Oh, yes. I plugged that earlier, but it's always worth plugging again. Always. That's a subscription deal where you don't get fucked over. We're going we're gonna to make stuff, and we're going to make weird stuff. If you want us to make weird stuff, yeah, you give us a little money. Then we won't have to worry about ad revenue. Then you won't have yeah. to see those weird ads all the time. Yeah, those mm. are weird. 
Fantastic. I keep getting ones for those liners ladies put in their pants when they're afraid they might piss themselves. I've gotten those too. It's funny that, isn't it? What does that say about our age? Well, and, our, says, and what's in our says, pants? <laughs> well, our gender. It also says that we're women, apparently. <laughs> or that our search history reflects that we are women somehow. Well, I know mine does, because my wife keeps getting me to use my Amazon Prime account to buy the baby stuff. Oh, sure. There you go. That's it. That's what it is. All right. Well, baby that's stuff. it from us, then. All right. Well, thanks for listening and watching. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.